This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo. Good afternoon, man. Man, good afternoon to you too, sir. How are you doing today? Exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm tired out. It has been wide open, dude. Just uh, just crazy around these parts. So, uh, man, things are good. But yeah, we're, we're rocking and rolling. It's uh, It's been out of control, man, with our uh, big event that we had last week and uh, planning, uh, you know, events in the future. And uh, man, yeah, just uh, still learn how to be a dad and and uh, and a and a decent, uh, serviceable husband. <laughs> so you know, things are uh, things are okay. Yeah, what's what's going on with you, dude? Yeah, man. Um, man, I got some I got some good news today. I got to take oh. off my boot. I my my bones have mostly oh, healed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm wearing sweet. shoes again, like a normal person. I mean, not like a normal <laughs> Mississippian, because of course, you know, we don't wear shoes down there. But right? Yeah. yeah. What, what's a shoe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I uh, I got I got my boot off today. They re-X-rayed my foot. They um, my bones aren't fully healed, but but healed enough that I can start walking on my foot again. So okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm, well, I'm excited. Great, oh yeah. yeah. So that's that's been uh, I've been I've been looking forward to this day for quite some time and. Uh, yeah, I was ready for it. I was ready for it, man. But of course, uh, <laughs> I was mostly excited to, to jump on and share it with all of you fine, wonderful people here at Country Squire Radio, which of course is made possible by our amazing patrons over at patreon.com slash Radio, the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club, aka the greatest pipe smokers on earth. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think that's probably debatable <laughs> well that's I, I i think as long as you say anything in the sounding of a question it makes it true because all questions <laughs> no but we would not be here without you guys so thank y'all so much if you want to learn more about how you can join the uh, the pipe club head over to patreon.com slash country squire radio to do so john david things are happening in the pipe world in the pipe community uh, there's this little thing that uh, folks may be aware of which is the chicagoland pipe show it is not a small thing. It is, in fact, a very large thing. And it is a thing that has been up in the air, to be honest, uh, for some time. In fact, as I'm even just bringing this up right now, I almost kind of feel like we probably should have been like maybe mentioning this. But I guess the, the reality is there's been like a lot of questions about, you know, in terms of what's been going on in Chicago. Yeah. So uh, what, what has been going on in Chicago? We, we Man, doing? that's right. We, you know, it, it, it's probably best we didn't because we didn't really have any answers anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and the folks at, in, at the Chicago uh, Pipe Club, uh, they have been working overtime to to make sure that the show happens this year, and so uh, kudos to them. And they, they you know, they, they there haven't really been uh, you know answers to give folks for weeks. They've you know been determined to make this happen and have assured people that uh, the pipe show is is a go. You know, it's just been one of those things where they had to struggle to find a location all last minute. Uh, this, of course, was precipitated by the fact that the the Pheasant Run Resort, where the Chicago Pipe Show takes place every year, has uh, has gone bankrupt and is and is closed, and so mm. they got out of their contract, I guess, for the show there this year. And so it left our whole pipe community, particularly the folks in Chicago, scrambling to find a new uh, location. But man, got word yesterday that they uh, they officially announced it, man. We, we have got, we're, we're, 
we're all all green. <laughs> we're, okay, we're breaking we're, news here. We're go for launch, man. And so, right. uh, man, they they they've got uh, brand new plans here. So, um, man, same exact weekend, May one through three in Chicago. It's at the Westin in Itasca, Illinois, um, which is right there, uh, nestled in the midst of Chicago. And so, uh, real close to the airport, just a, a beautiful area. Um, same exact weekend, um, just a different location. So. Um, it's at the Westin there, and uh, what they've asked folks to do is is please uh, make a, uh, a hotel reservation at the Westin uh, because they have a certain number of room blocks that they have, or certain number of rooms that they have to rent out uh, related to the pipe show in order to um, you know meet a minimum um, and and be sanctioned by the hotel and so and to get the deal. Um, and so uh, please, 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 if you're planning on going to the Chicago Pipe Show, uh, make your reservations at the Weston, uh, and again, the show will happen May 1 through 3, um, there in, in Chicago, the Weston in Atosca, Illinois, um, and so, uh, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. They actually said the smoking tent uh, is going to be bigger than it ever has been, which is oh, wow. kind of hard to believe, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it, they'll have a smoking tent in the parking lot, which is really exciting, and um, man, so that'll be there. The Friday morning pre-show, which uh, is kind of legendary with the uh, Chicago Pipe uh, show, you know, that that is going to... Uh, go on as planned in the smoking tent. Um, and there, there will be a free Friday night banquet for everybody, uh, which is really cool. And so, uh, you know, they're just really wanting folks to come. Uh, the banquet's important because they're going to talk about the future of the pipe show and just, uh, you know, kind of all the hoops that uh, the community's having to jump through to make this happen. But um, anyway, to, to all our friends in Chicago that have uh, have worked so hard to make this happen, we give you our, our hearty thanks and, um, man, just encouragement on on that uh they've worked really really hard to make it work so uh but yeah man chicago pipe show may one through three at the weston in natoska illinois man come on down it's going to be a lot of fun be sure to make your reservations there at uh at the weston you know hotel you can find a link to the exact room uh booking block or whatever on uh, the chicago pipe uh, Collectors Club Facebook page. If you'll search for Chicago Land Pipe Collectors Club, uh, their Facebook page, you'll you'll find a link to the room block. And they have not updated their um, their website at chicagopipeshow.com yet, but I'm sure they they will real soon. So folks can make a, a direct reservation there at the Westin. So, but uh, but if you'd like to go ahead and give them a call, be sure to do that. And uh, and I'll see you there because I will be there. <laughs> Man. This is this is really great. I'm looking at this on a map right now, and it's like a 20 minute drive from O'Hare. Yeah, it's right there. I mean, it, like you know, it is great as the show has been in the past. Like you know, we're gonna miss the location, so many memories and history there, and and all that. But um, this is an awesome location. This I mean, is it's a great be really location. Convenient for people. Yeah. It's close on into the city, and so there will be. Um, you know, uh, opportunity to get out and maybe do some more stuff in the in the inner city for folks that uh, you know want to do Chicago as well as a part of the show. You know, uh, a lot of folks that come to the show this might be their first time uh, in the city, as it was mine when I went years ago. And so, um, anyway, just a really exciting time. I think this is going to be good, and um, man, just really proud of what the folks up there in Chicago have been able to pull together uh, on a very short notice. They've worked really hard, man. And it's like right down the road here from a medieval times. I'm just saying this. Like, <laughs> there's amenities. This location. It's going to be fun. It's yeah. going to be fun. <laughs> I guess my, my opinion on the uh, on the original location of the Chicago Pipe Show is well documented. I, I think this is a great move. I don't know anything about the West End, but in terms of where it's located right there, that is 
That is some prime real estate. 20 minutes to O'Hare from O'Hare. Come on. It was like three hour drive to get from the airport <laughs> to the last place. <laughs> it wasn't that, that bad, but I mean, it yeah, was, it, it was, was rough. It, it, it's still, you know, it's kind of a hike out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, man. I'm, I'm uh, you know, there'll, there'll be things there. There's some, some beauty about the old quirkiness of the pheasant run resort, you know, just the, uh, yeah. uh the, the, the charming kitschy, uh, Bourbon street, uh, yes. thing, the, the haunted, uh, you know, uh, smokers, uh, lounge back in the, uh, grotto or whatever they called the it. Weird <laughs> indoor outdoor pool where, you know, yeah. stuff happened and you just, Ex- yeah. It, yeah, I know you need to get, uh, you know, fumigated after you get out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, uh, the, you know, the, the pipe show was always on the same exact weekend as the local prom. And so there was like this weird creep, creep confluence creep, creep. of like, yeah, dude, it's just so funny. You've got like these, you know, uh, you know, high schoolers and their, you know, tuxedos and sequin dresses, like, you know, walking in the same hallways as, uh, you know, 95 year old, you know, mm-hmm. men and, and World War II vets. It's just, it's just really, it's I don't awful. know. We're, we're going to miss it, man. We're going to miss it, but uh, you'll, you'll miss it. And some I'll, people I'll, will I'll miss it. it. I, I will miss the, the quirkiness <laughs> of, uh, of the locale, but um, anyway, and, and so we're, we're, we're thrilled to um, thrilled to be at the Westin and uh, look forward to seeing everybody there. All right, right on, man. Well, that's exciting news. Of course, we also have coming up March 28th, uh, right around the corner here, later on this month even, a Lunt to Remember in Jackson, Mississippi. Going to have some live Country Squire radio broadcast happening right then and there. Hopefully, yeah. I'm actually going to bring the old webcam. I, I, you know, I jumped on YouTube uh, and did another another live uh, just kind of hangout on, uh, on, on the YouTube on the, the YouTube pipe community. And it was, it yeah. was nice. It was a nice evening. I jumped oh, on real great. quick and chatted. Kind of stick your toe in the water a little bit. Yeah. Oh, you know, I like to from time to time. And uh, you know, the, 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 the request is always there, man. They want us back. They want us back on YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, uh, hopefully one day, hopefully, hopefully I didn't, I didn't say no, but I didn't say yes, but I didn't say no. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, no, hopefully we will be doing a lot to remember, or, or at least the, the episodes from a lot to remember, uh, on, on YouTube live if we can. Uh, but, uh, yeah, come bring your pipes, bring your walking boots. Since my feet are back in working order, I will actually be able to, uh, to do a little bit of hiking, um, at least to some extent. So I'm very excited, uh, to, uh, to become a man. It's gonna be, a I blast. can see it now. You're going to, your, your leg is going to go out right when I ask you to like, help me carry a cooler. <laughs> well, the doctor know? did say I need to not push it. Not, you know, I got to listen right. to my body. So, you know, you're you know. right. Right. <laughs> no, man, we're, we're excited. March 28th here in Jackson, Mississippi, a lunt to remember. Uh, I, I will remind folks, we've mentioned this the past couple of episodes, but mm. um, the, the show is going on. We're going to have an awesome party at the, at the Squire. Um, there will be a lunt. Uh, right now, the location is still a little up in the air. We, we are anticipating it to be at LaFleur's Bluff State Park, uh, which is very close to the shop. But if you've paid attention to, um, you know, to our show past uh, month or so, we've had some severe flooding in our area uh which is now receding but we're, we're still trying to figure out the state of that uh, the condition of the uh, of the park where the event uh, is scheduled to be had and so um it may be kind of a game time decision we may uh have to tinker with some stuff uh once we get a little closer to uh to time but um it, it, but please come we there will be a lunt it will be in jackson mississippi and uh we will have an awesome awesome party at the uh, at the country squire afterwards and um and so man I just can't wait to um, can't wait to meet everybody and, and host y'all here in our uh, our sleepy little town. Yeah, man, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Cannot wait for that. Uh, and again, shout out to Scott Bidler for uh, 
for for being being the champion of the Lunting Man. Um, yeah, and let, let me mention quickly too. I, yeah. I failed to mention that like if you're if you're planning on coming, please 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 go to Lunting.org uh, and register there. It's free to register, um, but we'd just love to have kind of a head count of folks that are that are coming, and um, man, it's going to be going to be great. Of course, we've got. Um, I need to mention our uh, sponsors for the event. We've got uh, you know Laudisi, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Briarworks Pipe. Uh, out of uh, Tennessee, uh, will be there, and so we're we're glad to host them. Missouri Mearsham coming down, uh, our dear friends from up there, uh, and and we'll have a table, and then also the folks at uh, Lane and STG, and so um, man, it's just going to be a lot of fun because we'll have all these you know folks represented, uh, you know tobacco and 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 pipes, uh, you know made right here in America. So um, it's going to be great. We're we're really thrilled, and uh, it, please sign up though Lunting.org if you're uh, able to, and we'd uh, man we'd love to just kind of get ahead count so that's it absolutely man all right so you kind of you know mentioned this earlier on in the in the show here but uh you you recently had a guest come to the country squire someone who uh is has been promoted out as going so this should come as no surprise to anybody that's been uh listening for some time but you had bona fide pipe royalty uh a living legend come through jackson mississippi through the country squire recently uh man we uh, all of us are are waiting on like the edge of our seats to hear about <laughs> uh, Eric Nording's visit to the Country Squire, and also just it's kind of giving us an opportunity to uh, you know pay our respects and, and take a look at, at uh, Eric and and just kind of the the Nording company and the impact on the uh, on on the pipe community and and the pipe industry as a whole. Yeah, man, it was so great. Last week we had uh, we had Eric Nording at the sh- at the shop, um, and uh, we were just so honored by. Uh, his visit. I mean, it, this, he is literally the world's most famous living pipe maker. <laughs> I mean, like you know, in our in our in our community, that's a big deal. You know, anytime um, someone like that swings in, and uh, man, we just had so much fun. He is a um, a funny, uh, just genuine, uh, interesting person. Lots of energy for an eighty-one year old man. <laughs> you know, and uh, man, he just um, he, he really captivated the whole shop, and so uh, had a great crowd. It was actually. This is kind of cool, and I want to thank folks for coming out, but and um, and supporting us. But it was actually the biggest day uh, as far as sales that our shop ever had, and and we were really uh, just stunned by it. We we were amazed that, that people came out to support uh, Mr. Nording and um, and and his his pipe company, and also our shop. It was uh, it was just it was overwhelming and very moving. And so uh, if you did make it, we had several listeners that um, you know were kind of in the region or passing through. They made sure to swing by. Uh, and uh, and we're really grateful for that. A lot of local folks, and um, it, it was it was off the chain, man. But um, you know, Eric Nording. I mean, we've we've got to talk about um, you know his his legacy that is still ongoing in the pipe community, yes. even at eighty one years old. <laughs> and uh, man, as the uh, incredibly prolific pipe maker, his pipes are everywhere. If there's a pipe shop worth its salt in the world, they carry Nording pipes. Um, you know the the variety of shapes and finishes and materials. Um, you know, it, it's just something that he um, he is he's commanded over over the past forty mm. plus years, and so uh, I mean, we're just so proud to uh, have carried Nording 
pipes for a very long time and um man just really really proud that he came to our shop so um yeah man Nording pipes you know we need to kind of uh kind of discuss the the impact they've had and a little bit of history uh of course Nording is a um he's an 81 year old man he's uh he's bright and funny and chipper and um his handshake is like a a vice grip (laughs) (laughs) he hasn't lost it yeah man it's incredible it's like uh you know get ready uh when when he reaches for your hand but um man just incredibly uh kind and and warm person and uh, a little bit of sarcastic you know uh uh tone in there he's just uh, got that little twinkle in his eye and um man, it's it a real pleasure to get to know him but um yeah you know he's been doing this a really long time right uh late 50s is kind of when he got his um his start, uh, you know, in, in the hobby uh, portion of it, and then eventually that morphed into what uh, Nording Pipes is uh, that we know today, and uh, got his start actually as an engineer, uh, produced pipes uh, as a hobby on the side. But um, you know, it, it's funny. At age fifteen, he was actually uh, his first real job was as a blacksmith uh, in his father's uh, in his father's factory. His father was producing all kinds of tools and implements, and um, oddly enough, they kind of uh, focused the the factory eventually focused on razor blades of all things and so um but you know just a variety of different uh tools and machining machining they uh would be contracted by you know businesses to make um you know a variety of industrial equipment and things of that nature but um you know over the years kind of specialized in that razor blade thing which is 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 neat because eric to this day is still a knife maker as well he's such a renaissance man he's always uh doing a little bit of everything but um knife making is still right there at the top of uh you know of his um of his art and so pretty pretty cool um, you know, he, he started smoking a pipe uh, at this time at age 15, uh, and he learned from his dad <laughs> to the to the chagrin of his mother, you know, who's kind of, uh, you know, chided him over the years about about this. And, um, you know, he was like, well, you know, at, at least with the uh, pipe, you don't inhale and all that kind of stuff. And th- th- he told a story one time about his mother trying to get him to quit smoking. And she said, OK, look, sit down. You're going to smoke through this entire pack of cigarettes until you get sick. And that's going to teach you how to not smoke the pipe yeah you you know like the the grandpa it thinks he's being clever or whatever so he gives his uh you know a 12 year old grandson a piece of chew and you know it expects it to make him puke and so he'll stay away from tobacco the rest of his life well norton got through about three quarters of that pack of cigarettes and his mom was like okay just stop just put it down (laughs) (laughs) and he was like mom i'm telling you this is okay like see i don't smoke cigarettes i you know you don't inhale a pipe and so this is better so right right uh, she was actually teaching unhealthy practices <laughs> yeah I know, I know right it, it's it, it, if anything confirmed you know it's really right. funny but um and so uh, Nording's uh, dad, his, his father actually passed away uh, at age 16, uh, mm-hmm. soon after he was, um, you know, working there in the factory. And, and his mother, you know, he worked there for a while, but his mother was pushing him for this, a strong mother who's pushing him for, uh, towards his formal education, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in engineering. She, she was like, look, we, you know, if, if you're going to carry on the family business and make something of yourself, you know, you're going to, you're going to need to, you know, firm up your education and gain the skills that you need. And so, um, so Eric uh, went to went to school and studied on and off for uh, years there uh, in engineering and um, and uh, took him a while because he worked through uh, school you know making pipes and and other industrial things and in the factory as well but um, 
as a pipe smoker and uh, an engineer, uh, you know, he, he began making machinery eventually for other folks to produce pipes, which is kind of neat. You know, that you've got, uh, you think about the mid-20th century, people are, uh, you know, really mechanizing things. We've had the assembly line for quite a while now, but folks are really starting to how can we, uh, you know, make everything more efficient and streamlined and quicker? And so you had folks that wanted pipe making equipment that would spit these pipes out, and um, and he he produced some of those for for other folks. And um, after a customer didn't pay for one of the pipe machines that he actually produced for for them, he was like, "Well, I'll I'll keep this and make pipes myself." And so <laughs> wow. yeah. it was it was kind of neat that the customer that did that actually. Um, was like, well, you know, look, I, I, I can't pay you for it, but why don't we team up and make this together? And so uh, Eric Nording kind of paired up with this guy. He was a pipe repairman that, um, you know, wanted to, you know, get into the machining of it. And so uh, they, they paired up for a while. And then eventually Nording, uh, once he kind of learned everything, mastered the art, uh, went out on his own. And, and you know, it, his, his company at that point became Nording Pipes with his own name. Uh, he's quoted as saying, you know, that, uh, that they, he knew that um, no one could ever take his name from him and so he was going to call mm. his pipes by that name but yeah. man <laughs> um, but that's still, that's such a bold like there's there's that aspect of it like you know this is mine nobody can take this but then there's this other aspect of you know like now now you literally put your name on it you know what yeah I mean? like, no that's right that's like right. there's a there's a there's a level of like okay i need to stand by this from from the beginning to the end otherwise i've completely devalued my own name that's true man and, and you know in Think about the legacy of what he's doing here too. You know, his mo- his father father was a uh, you know an engineer and machinist and, and blacksmith and uh, you know uh, meaning to carry on that uh, tradition of that. His mother obviously believed in him a lot. Was a big part of his success and um, and so he, he wanted to honor that name. You know, and then putting your name on the on the company, which now of course has uh, you know a bunch of employees and produces thousands of pipes every year uh, worldwide. All this kind of stuff, extremely innovative that um you know it does it challenges you right if you put your last name your your, your given name on something that's uh um you know that's uh that that's kind of throwing the gauntlet down and saying mm-hmm. okay we're we've got to make this work and um and boy he did <laughs> it's funny um our dear friend uh, Brad, who uh, is a everyday fixture at the uh, at the Squire, he's more of a cigar guy. But Brad historically has smoked a pipe. It, it was cool when Brad Brad picked him out a beautiful uh, Nording pipe. Uh, it was a Group Eleven, I believe, just a really handsome handmade pipe with this kind of honeybee striped stem on it. And uh, Brad, who's more of a cigar smoker, he brought the pipe up to the register, and I said, "Really? Like you're buying a pipe?" And uh, he was like, "Yeah, man, we're doing this." And uh, it, it was. <laughs> It was cool, um, you know. Uh, he uh, he was kind of joking with uh, Mr. Nording the entire time. Um, he said, "Yeah, you know, your pipes are pretty decent," <laughs> but you know, they wow. laughingly, wow. <laughs> uh, laughingly, you, you get the um, you get the um, impression that Eric uh, immediately when you interact with him is just this fun, easygoing, approachable. Uh, sarcastic person. He's just, uh, he's incredibly uh, kind and, you know, immediately just lets your guard down and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was cool. Him and Brad got to know each other a little bit. And he told Brad, uh, this was kind of neat. He said, you know, 
one of the first pipes he made was this terrible, terrible pipe, and he sold it to a friend. And then a, a few days later, this lady came into the shop and said that, hey, I saw this pipe you made. It was gorgeous, and I want one just like it. And and Nording was horrified by this. He was like, this woman thinks that that was a good-looking pipe, you know? <laughs> and uh, and so she he basically lied to her and was like, uh, we're, we're sold out. Like we, we don't, we don't have any of these pipes. Right. <laughs> and, uh, so it's just a testament over the years to how much more, um, you know, confident he's gotten in his work and, um, you know, and, and of course the expertise that's developed and, um, and all that. So, but yeah, there from the beginning, you know, he was, uh, just like everyone else, you know, those first few products were, uh, were a little on the rough side, right? <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. No, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so, but, you know, pipe making through, uh, through school, uh, you know, studying to be an engineer, but, um, you know, really having to kind of take the scenic route because of the need to, uh, you know, run the factory and, and, you know, pay his own bills and all that stuff. But, um, eventually, uh, Eric, uh, you know, gave up the idea of running the factory, uh, the family business. You know, it was one thing he, he had gotten by this point, uh, you know, established enough in the pipe world, uh, where he was, you know, he, he, his heart was there, his talent was there, he, uh, his connections were there. And, and so, um, you know, it just made sense for him to kind of take that route rather than going back to the factory and, um, you know, and making razor blades and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, which is understandable, you know, a lot of that, you know, our family, a lot of times has expectations for us. And, you know, sometimes we live up to that. Other times we, we don't or go our own way. And, um, you know, and eventually it, it worked out for him, but it didn't look the way he anticipated it or certainly his, uh, his mother did. But, um, Eventually, it pivoted. You know, he, he got his pipe making uh, really ramped up. Had, had his name on it. Uh, Nordings, uh, you know, they were exclusively at this time marketed as freehand pipes. Um, and you know, he mastered the technique of uh, following the grain and making these big, big pipes with beautiful, uh, you know, uh, freehand shapes, lots of exposed plateau, fun, um, you know, fun contrast stains and uh, stem material and all this type of stuff. Um, But he found that, you know, it was easy to teach apprentices how to make these freehand pipes because they, um, you know, they're just free flowing. You don't have to be as precise as you might on on like a billiard or a, a, you know, any kind of standard shape uh, pipe, a prince or, you know, a pot or something of that nature you could you know a little more room for creativity but also you know a little more forgiveness on some of the aesthetic precision which was kind of nice so um, of course all the pipes uh, from you know pretty early in the process have been uh, good smokers because they're drilled properly and uh, you know have really good fitting stems and all that but um, you know the briar is really high quality and has been uh, dried appropriately but the you know the the pipes themselves it's nice because being a freehand carver you kind of i mean it's freehand right and so you're you kind of have the artistic license to go here and there and and not have to you know make your pipe conform to a specific proportion um you know just so it can technically be called a a bulldog or something like that you know mm-hmm. um so, um, yeah, you know, uh, all his pipes, um, you know, at the time were uh, freehand pipes. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, um, Nording, he, he figured out people wanted these 
big freehand pipes. And so, you know, you got to think of the other pipe makers that were making pipes at this time. You've got, uh, you know, the Preben Holmes of the world. Um, and, you know, we've talked at length about uh, his family and their, um, uh, you know, ongoing legacy. And so, you know, these big freehand pipes, lots of exquisite grain, over-the-top, uh, you know, uh, d- development and artistry. Um, and so Eric, you know, he kind of took advantage of it, but also helped mold that. His uh, pipe making is he kind of established his uh, factory there, trained several other people. Uh, He had just a fleet of pipe carvers at one point uh, when his business peaked in the 80s. And of course, uh, we're just making these exquisite pieces, uh, cranking them out just thousands and thousands a year, um, you know, upwards of of even, you know, over 10,000 a month kind of thing. I mean, just cranking these pipes out. um, Really, really impressive. And, uh, you know, just um, it, it just, just really, um, you know, something that shaped the pipe world in itself. Uh, these freehand pipes were, were such a, uh, such a treasure. They were so popular. People wanted a statement making pipe that had a big bowl and, um, you know, had this flowing Danish design, which was a lot of fun. And so, um, you know, that, that just became very popular and it really became kind of in the DNA of Nording pipes. And to this day, you know, Eric will make traditionally shaped pipes. He'll make a billiard, he'll make a, uh, you know, a bent Dublin or something of that nature. But, but on average, you know, when you think of a Nording pipe, you typically think of those free hands. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's not, uh, you know, on accident. I mean, that, that happened, uh, you know, because it was a, a part of its era and, um, you know, carried on until today. So, you know, even to this day, freehands by Nording are, they're all roughed out on machines. It's kind of cool. Uh, he's got this, you know, we are talking about an engineer here, right? And so he is someone that figured out, okay, how do I make a quality pipe? But how, you know, I'm running a business, so how do I make a bunch of them, but also make them uh, unique, uh, get get our hands on them, make sure they're, uh, they're flawless and their artistry and mechanics and uh, precision and all that kind of stuff. And so he developed this system where it was kind of a, kind of an assembly line style system. The, the, the freehand pipes, they're roughed out on these machines, uh, you know, where they get kind of a generic uh, shape. Uh, and, and you'll recognize some of these shapes. You'll start to see a few similarities here and there. But what's cool is what happens just after that part. Um, it, the, the shapes, which there's a variety of shapes, but the shapes that are roughed out are then all hand finished with, um, with unique, uh, you know, uh, kind of finishing processes, the sanding and the, uh, the grain is all paid attention to incredibly detailed. And so, uh, they follow, you know, that of the pipe, what the, what bark is left, plateau is left there on the briar and follow it and make a unique piece. And so every single one, uh, is a unique work of art that uh, has been, you know, thoughtfully shaped and and stained. Um, but kind of the the you know some of the lifting, uh, the weight lifting up in the for the front of the process is taken care of uh, by the machinery that he's he's personally designed. So um, so pretty pretty awesome. You know how do you how does someone you know make a um, a whole bunch of pipes uh, that are incredibly high quality and yet all unique. Um, and Eric Nording had an answer for that, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and built a built an empire, and it still uh, stills with us today. So um, really, really cool. Um, you know, Mr. Nording has always been uh, in, incredibly experimental. He, it it kind of goes with his. 
um, you know, his talents, you know, he, he was into knife making and, um, it, you know, other, uh, he, he's been in a lot of different business ventures over his years, which is kind of neat. He hasn't just been a pipe maker, although that's kind of what he's, um, you know, most associated with, but, um, but he's always experimenting, experimenting with different things. And in pipe making that has been, uh, also in the materials, uh, traditionally, uh, he has used briar, but, um, but there have been other things that have cropped up here and there, which, uh, which he is uniquely known for. Um, and, uh, and we've seen these on the market today. Uh, a few years ago, he introduced the Keystone pipe. And uh, you may have seen these floating around. This is, this is kind of interesting. A lot of folks, uh, your more traditional pipe smokers, will look at this and be like, what is that? I'm not going to smoke that. But, um, it, you know, it's, it's an interesting concept because it's, uh, you know, it includes traditional materials, but also uh, some aggressive modern stuff that, uh, you know, helps the process out. And so uh, what Mr. Nording found, if you, if you create a, um, a, a, a nylon base of the pipe, so imagine a pipe that has a nylon material, which is something that can be highly colorful and customized with the aesthetics of it. You can make the, the kind of the, you know, a little cradle for the bowl to screw into and then the rest of it uh, the the stem and the shank there is all one piece of uh you know a colorful nylon but um the the cradle that the bowl which is made of briar screws into has this little space in the bottom uh for these stones that they actually sell and uh and they're called keystones uh norton calls them keystones it's a it's a little pebble um that you can buy you can buy them in a big bag or you can buy them in what kind of looks like a little altoid can uh, and they're these little pebbles that you drop in the bottom of this uh, this cradle that is kind of where the bowl screws into on the uh, on the keystone pipe. And the these these little pebbles, it's a volcanic clay pellet. Uh, huh. It's interesting, but that that stuff is so absorbent that it forces the moisture in that. Um, in in that pipe bowl to uh, immediately get uh, consumed, uh, they're usable a few different a few times, and then you throw them out. But um, but it, it creates an incredibly dry smoke, and it's something that uh, you know everyone else has kind of had their inner innovation over the years with the uh, you know filter system and p lips and reservoirs and all this other stuff. And um, in, and you know so this is kind of uh, Nording's stab at some of that, which is really cool. Uh, it's a unique thing. It, it's really uh, fascinating. These little volcanic clay pellets, they're incredibly absorbent. They, I mean, ridiculously absorbent. It was so funny. Uh, we were sitting there, uh, going through probably our third bottle of wine at this event. <laughs> and, uh, and it, and it was funny. It, it, Mr. Nording was talking about these pellets and he was like, here, come here. I'll show you. I'll show you. And we went over to the bar and he, he poured him, uh, you know, a very small cup of wine. And then he proceeded to throw these pellets into the cup of wine. And, of course, I'm Ooh. horrified. I'm like, well, I spent a lot of money for this wine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you don't argue when uh, when Eric Nording does anything in your shop. No, no. Um, but it, it was funny. He was like, no, 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 look, look. And and what had happened in a very, very quick amount, you know, short amount of time, um, those little pellets that he had put in the bottom of this cup of wine had absorbed all the wine. <laughs> they were It had immediately absorbed, like, all this wine. And he was like, see how quickly the moisture goes away and it was so cool because he was um you know he's just showing me the uh you know impressiveness of this kind of this combination of technology that he's put together and so um yeah it's it's kind of cool you can actually put these pellets they they're designed to go in the bottom of the keystone pipe but what what mr nording told me and I, i haven't tried this yet i'll have to but 
you can actually put these pellets in the bottom of any pipe, uh, just to drop it in the bottom of the bowl uh, and then put your tobacco on top of it. And the idea is, you know, the pellets are, are large enough to where they're not going to go through the um, you know the the air airway air passage, but um, you know they kind of act as a as a filterish system where uh, they absorb all that moisture so very fast. Um, you know as the as it drops through the the tobacco and uh, and and then they also, according to him, don't leave any kind of residual taste or or odor or anything like that with the with the tobacco, so it smokes really clean. But um, so interesting concept. You know he's uh, pushing the envelope with this kind of stuff and. Um, Eventually came out also with the uh, the compass pipe, which is kind of neat. It's a, a colorful pipe. It's a it's a Italian and Greek briar that has been wrapped in this uh, kind of aluminum casing, and uh, so it's very industrial looking, very modern looking. Um, you know, fun comes in a lot of different shapes and colors. Really inexpensive to produce, and so uh, it's a good starter pipe for a lot of folks. But um, you know, uh, some of them are some of them are uh, all briar bowls that that have an aluminum shank plugged into the end of them and then some of them are just the briar uh, that's kind of wrapped in a, a cylinder of aluminum so the whole thing looks like a, a really shiny blue uh, you know a toy or something it's just really a lot of fun uh, with the colors and things like that that he's done. Um, and, and then most recently, uh, Eric came out with uh, what he's called his shorty pipes. Uh, these are tiny pipes. Uh, they're similar to the Keystone, but they actually uh, are very, very small and then have a porcelain bowl that inserts into uh, the little cradle for the for the bowl there. So porcelain is something that uh, we've talked about before. It hasn't really ever taken off as a mainstream pipe-making material, um, but is something that you know has been used in in Europe, particularly Germany, uh, in in the past, and so uh, you know it can uh, smoke kind of cool. It smokes hot to the touch, but you know radiates a lot of that heat and and all that. So what he did is he he was looking for a way to make a pipe uh, that was a very small smoke, something that you could just kind of have a 10-15 minute smoke break type of pipe. And so these shorty pipes came out a similar uh, you know uh, body to the pipe, but then these little porcelain insert bowls, which is uh, kind of fun. They come in all cool, all kinds of cool colors, and so you can, you know, mix and match and coordinate and all that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, so uh, yeah, I mean, Nording's legacy lives on, and it's very much a an active thing. You know, we talk about history, but it's 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 active. It's making history. You know, even today, um, you know, as the company continues to grow, and um, and Eric's son Nude and his his wife uh, Margarita, they are you know very much a part of the business, and even their grandson Victor is uh, you know involved in marketing and, um, you know, uh, kind of opening up new markets and things like that. And so, um, man, the show goes on, the show goes on and it's just, uh, just so exciting. So, um, man, we were again, honored to have, uh, Eric at the shop and, um, man, just the legacy of his incredible company and, uh, just to pay, uh, pay tribute to that and hope that he's able to come back to the United States again. He certainly looks like he is cause he's, he might be 81, but he's in great shape and, um, man, just has such a great, uh, great spirit about him. So, um, yeah, man, it was, it was really cool to, to get to interact with a legend and have him, uh, have him grace our presence. Man, that's awesome. Yes. Now, a living legend to be sure. And somebody who is an innovator and has been an innovator in an industry that, um, as I mean, I always say like innovation is, is key for any industry, but, uh, even as we kind of celebrate the, the tradition of pipe smoking and, and obviously the, the rich tradition that has existed in, in the pipe carving world, um, you know, I, I just, I always love celebrating innovators and, uh, and so, yeah, man, Nording, uh, I, I can't believe that you got to shake the man's hand. 
<laughs> well, my hand remembers it because it was like I'm telling you, man. The guy's got a the guy's got a firm handshake. <laughs> right, right, man. I would argue that anybody, and I mean, I, I believe this thoroughly, and I'm sure the hate mail will come, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't think that your pipe collection is complete unless you own a Nording pipe. Like yeah, there is no, something. I, I agree. I agree. Ex- extremely iconic about a Nording pipe. I mean, it's just, you know, I, the first, uh, the first Nording pipe I ever got was actually a gift, uh, from a dear friend. And I still always love busting that thing out because it is, I mean, it's just such, uh, such a statement, just a big church warden looks like you could go to battle with it. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> great looking pipe. Absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, I will even go so far to say when, you know, I know that claiming if you don't have a certain kind of pipe in your collection means your collection can, collection is incomplete but you know what i'm going to double down in another way i'm gonna say if you don't own a missouri meerschaum pipe then your collection is not complete but that's okay because missouri meerschaum pipes don't cost that much man (laughs) great pipes for a great price and of course that's from our friends at missouri meerschaum that is right man and uh you know kind of in line with the nording pipes how many freehand pipes they've cranked out over the years and how uh, iconic they are man we wanted to talk today about the freehand corn cob pipe from missouri meerschaum uh it's a beautiful pipe it's one of their more uh more premium pipes but it's still very affordable at 37.99 uh just a beautiful um statement making pipe uh the freehand corn cob pipe is a work of art a deep conical shaped bowl dark stain coating rusticated bowl and a Italian acrylic bit uh, give this pipe a unique and distinctive appearance. Like our other premium pipes, the freehand has a genuine hardwood insert stem or, or insert in the bottom of the bowl, uh, and it's also available in, in an uncoated natural white cob or a natural red cob finish. Um, so really beautiful pipe. It's a stunning piece, a l- really large, generous chamber, but that uh, that kind of rugged look to the top of the pipe gives it that true uh, freehand flavor. And so uh, just a just a really nice piece. And uh, if you don't have a Missouri Meerschaum uh, pipe, you need one, and this could be the one for you, particularly if you like a, a real premium experience. So um, check it out, man. You can get it from the source at corncobpipe.com. And, uh, man, we just love love seeing those photos of folks uh, smoking their Missouri Meerschaum, so please send those on in. Absolutely, man. And big shout-out to Missouri Meerschaum for sponsoring the show. Pipe, pipe question of the week. Pipe question of the week this week coming in from Pastor Joda. Yoda. Pastor Joda. Joda. <laughs> he says, uh, so I know. No, I'm not going to do that. No, don't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> My heart skipped a beat there. I was worried, but then you, you pulled it back. That's good. That's good. No, I do. Okay, yeah. So I know that y'all have talked at uh, different points about tasting pipe tobaccos and ways to help develop the ability to taste the nuances. However, I was thinking the other day, I'm not positive that I know some of the flavors often cited in tasting reviews. For example, I really hate nuts. So when people mention nutty, does my lack of experience with nuts hinder me from being able to pick up that taste? Are there things that we could eat or drink that may help in developing a pipe tobacco palate? Thanks for the show, fellas. I genuinely look forward to it each and every week. Again, that's Pastor Joda. (laughs) <laughs> man thanks for uh thanks for writing in pastor joda I, this is a good question you know we do have folks that really can't stand certain uh certain flavors and it's because they have an experience with uh maybe the um uh, the uh corresponding flavor in the food uh, area right and so you know we've got folks that will never smoke a cherry blend because they hate cherries or um you know they they can't stand chocolate which those people actually do exist and so they they will never smoke a chocolate blend and 
uh, so on and so forth. The the berry ones seem to be uh, more polarizing, like cherry. We've got folks that just will not smoke like a like a raspberry blend or a blueberry blend. That doesn't uh, the the berry things for some reason. There's a you know group of folks that really just don't don't care for that. And so um, occasionally we will we'll see folks that are like you know I just really I don't do this nutty thing. Uh, you know the the nuts are, have never been my thing. The thing with nuts, there's kind of a um, a, a little disparity between real life. You know, when you think of a nut, they kind of uh, so much of the uh, experience with eating a nut is part of the texture, the you know anything that's been added to it, saltiness, sometimes cinnamon or you know other things, um, you know, and so uh, sometimes that doesn't really translate into um, you know into um, the tobacco world. I'd recommend that you try a tobacco Pastrajota Lane's hazelnut flavor. I think it might be something you could at least start out on to kind of give you an idea. Uh, you might not eat a hazelnut, but you might uh, smoke that and give you kind of an idea of what folks are are talking about when they um you know when they are referring to nutty flavored tobacco and that could kind of be a beginning to your baseline there uh for that that particular flavor that particular taste um other than that you know you, you really have to eat some nuts <laughs> mm. you know kind of the 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 graininess the grittiness the um, you know, the, um, the kind of savory uh, flavor that these uh, these different uh, nuts have. A lot of that is imparted into uh, tobacco. And, and of course, you know, a lot of tobaccos are, are described this way. And it, it's like wine. Sometimes it's fair, uh, the descriptions are. And other times it's, you know, folks are just really strong searching for something to describe the uh the flavor with um you know and so you you may get nut or i may get nuts and you may get um you know maple or or something of that nature but um anyway all that's all that to say uh you know i I would try some tobacco that is specifically flavored uh, or specifically uh you know their their uh, their goal is is a nutty flavor uh nutty irishman is another one uh, you could try um and then kind of go from there and see, uh, you know, see if there's other tobaccos that, uh, you know, are kind of uh, correlate to that. Or, or, you know, if someone else says, hey, this tobacco has a hint of nuts, you know, if you can kind of pick up on some of that. Um, I always drink water when I'm uh, trying uh, new uh, new tobaccos or I'm trying huh. to get a really uh, clean palate. Uh, water is really uh, important for that process. And so also just making sure you're smoking your pipe at a very low temperature, uh, sipping your pipe we always talk about. Out, slow, smoking it very slowly, uh, and and you know you want that low temperature where the you're not tasting the heat as much as you are the the to, the to tobacco, the flavor of the tobacco. And so, um, anyway, I hope that helps, brother. And uh, you know, by all means, just uh, keep experimenting. Absolutely, great question. And uh, man, let us uh, let us know how that goes for you. Of course, um, you only ever know your own experience, and that's true of flavors as well. Uh, but yeah, like you said, man, that it is interesting. You may not, the reason you may not like something may not have to do with the actual flavor. You know what I mean? Like I think about coconuts yeah, sure. and mm-hmm. I hate coconuts, but I love like coconut rum Yep. and like at times I enjoy coconut milk, but I just don't like coconut shavings or any of that nature. It's, it's yep. I, I know folks that are the same way with bananas, you know, they can't oh, stand a uh, banana, but they love, you know, things that have banana flavoring, which I think is funny because huh. a lot of times those, you know, flavorings seem to taste a little artificial, uh, but you know, they, uh, folks, folks like them. So yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, thanks Master Joda. And Hey, if you've got a pipe question of the week for us, send it in show at country radio.com. Again, that is show at country 
Quick, quick fire, fire with, with the squire. squire. Quick fire question. All right, man. Quick fire question. Hot sauce bracket edition. That's right. We're what? Kicking off this March is crazy. Madness. Crazy. <laughs> Hot sauce bracket edition. Wow, okay. I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> so this is what I thought. I thought we might do something a little bit fun. In the previous okay. marches, we've yeah. had like malt madness and that kind of thing, and and we haven't done like a, a brackets <laughs> for a while. But I thought it'd be kind of fun if for our quick fire questions we did it bracket style, where we're just kind of working it, working it down. If that makes okay. sense. Okay. Yeah, that's no, great. All right. Hopefully, hopefully, if, if uh, the listener's not following, then uh, you'll you'll get it by the end of this, and uh, we'll. We'll, we'll do something different for next Do week. people anyway, consume hot sauce in other parts of the country like they do in the South? Is that is that a thing elsewhere? Probably, probably not. Is. Probably not like we do, we do down here, but at the same time, like, yeah. it's just it's different. You know, it's just different. Um, I mean, you, you've got people that keep literally keep hot, hot sauce, you know, in their purse. I mean, I, I've even seen uh, th- there's a meme going around on the Internet of this cowboy that has a, a leather holster that carries his hot sauce in a holster. Yeah, people yeah. are serious about this stuff. Like there's yeah. been there, there's probably been, you know, families broken up over, you know, the the favorite hot sauce. And so. Um, so, Bo, let's break up our family. Go, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Louisiana or Crystal? I'm gonna say Louisiana. I like both of them. I, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Louisiana. All right. So you're gonna go with Louisiana. Um, man, I between it, it. So both of these hot sauces I think are acceptable when when having catfish. Like like and and only when eating catfish is when I would go okay. for either one of these. Between okay. the two, I would lead lean toward Louisiana because it's more flavorful. So I will go with you on yeah. Louisiana. Okay. All right. So Louisiana is the winner. It progresses on. So now Louisiana versus Tabasco. I'm gonna stay with Louisiana. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm, okay. I'm I'm doing that. Yeah. I, I, I Louisiana hot sauce to me is greater than uh, Tabasco sauce. Tabasco sauce is fine. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with Louisiana hot sauce. Man. Okay. This is very interesting. I I too am gonna go with Louisiana, but here is why. Because when it, it depends on applicability. Because if I'm cooking, I go with Tabasco. But if I need to like <laughs> like heat something up, I generally will go with Louisiana. And since that's true of almost everything in this list, um, aside from the last one we'll get to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with it. So <laughs> I, I can't believe I can't believe you said this, and I certainly yep. can't believe that I'm going along with you. But yes, we're going to give it to Louisiana. Uh, okay. It is going to go along. All right. It's, it's heating up, if you will. <laughs> Louisiana versus Cholula sauce. I actually have never had Cholula sauce. Uh, what? So I, yeah. I, so what? I, I actually, I'm unqualified to answer that question. I will, uh, by default, stick with Louisiana hot sauce. But, wow. um, I, you know, I've heard of it. I've just never had it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I see how it is. All right. So so I'm going to go with Cholula sauce. Um, I think it's way more versatile than Louisiana. I, don't get me wrong. I love Louisiana hot sauce. Um, but, man, no. Yeah. I, I will put away some Cholula sauce on eggs, on tacos, <laughs> on practically anything. It is delicious. It's excellent. All right. So we're diverging here. You're sticking with Louisiana. I'm going with Tallulah. All right. Now yep. we, we stack our winners against Sriracha. Wow. Yeah. I, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm voting a straight ticket here, but I, I'm going to, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going with Louisiana again. Wow. I, I have never been a, the others. Or I've never had the Cholula, the Tabasco and crystal. I, I like just fine. The, I just like Louisiana better. Sriracha, I've never been a big fan of Sriracha. I, I you know, I just never, it's never connected with me. Mm, I, I have never been able to find the right foods. I don't feel like it's as versatile. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like with Sriracha, you kind of have to be eating um, more. 
um, that like a specific kind of food, particularly like, you know, Asian uh, stuff. I, I just think I could put Louisiana hot sauce on almost anything and, Interesting. Um, okay. and, and, and have. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, and I, I just don't care for sriracha. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Louisiana. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. You had a straight ticket all the way through for Louisiana. Um, all right. So here's why I'm sticking with Cholula here. Sriracha is great. I, I disagree. I do think Sriracha is versatile. However, I think it needs to be paired with something else to be versatile. For example, Sriracha hmm. ketchup is phenomenal. Just put a little like Sriracha in your ketchup and like it changes your entire French fry experience. It's so good. <laughs> like it's, it's delicious. And Typically, when I'm having sriracha on anything, I, I am mixing it with another sauce to get kind of a unique flavor. So much yep. like Tabasco, it ends up becoming more of a component as opposed to like the thing I go to for, for just that thing. That, that flavor, yeah. yeah. Exactly. For that reason, I'm giving it to Cholula. So uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Man, all right. So hopefully that was fun. I don't know if that was fun or not for the listener, but I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> curious as to folks i mean did they can you even get louisiana or crystal hot sauce in other parts of the country you could probably get tabasco sauce like that's that's a universal thing i mean the tabasco's you know uh, they have their own brand you know but uh louisiana or crystal hot sauce can you in sriracha i know you can get anywhere but um yeah i don't know i'd be interested to know yeah you know i I might put out a little mini bracket of just these four and just (laughs) just see what happens and uh who knows? Who knows? It might be kind of fun. But there you go. That's our first uh, March Madness quickfire question. All right. Uh, fair doing enough. hot sauce this week. So there, there, there you go. Your, your thoughts, thoughts, your, your comments. comments. Listener feedback. Listener feedback this week. All right. This is great, man. We got a, uh, I got to first give a shout out to uh, Martin Marsha, who uh, wrote into the show, sent some pictures in, out dog sledding in Alaska, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, smoking a, a Missouri Meerschaum pipe with uh, filled with some CS tobacco. So, uh, man, dude, wasn't that awesome, man? Yeah. Freaking, I mean, dog sledding, and he's got his, uh, he's got his, uh, you know, big uh, tumbler with uh, the Country Squire sticker on there. His Missouri Meerschaum pipe, and um, and some of our tobacco. I mean, it just, it just made me so happy. <laughs> it really did. Uh, you know, we we've obviously had a lot of folks uh, take our stuff and and give us shout outs from all kinds of cool parts of the world. But um, man, that was that was pretty special so uh man martin thank you so much brother happy sledding to you <laughs> absolutely also we got a right uh, an itunes review and from real thing one who says good wholesome fun i love the clean fun and informative style of the podcast i never fail to get a good tidbit of information from it uh that increases my enjoyment of the hobby the guys seem to have a really good time doing the show and i always get a chuckle included with the excellent content Keep up the good work, fellas. And again, that is from Real Thing One on iTunes. <laughs> you can laugh with us, and you can laugh at us. Yeah, You're probably <laughs> probably that one more, <laughs> more so than the other. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we look, we love getting those iTunes reviews in. So uh, head over to iTunes, write us a review. It's a great way to help out the show. Of course, if you're able to help out the show with a couple of dimes. Head over to. Uh, patreon.com slash the country squire radio rather patreon.com slash country squire radio where you can join the country squire radio international pipe club yeah i should have mentioned this up front i'm, I'm a little self-conscious this week uh because i'm i'm in a different location of the house uh today <laughs> and so 
yeah. if my audio sounds different. John David, you said that you couldn't hear a difference, but it's been driving me crazy whenever I hear my own voice. So I, I are you are you in the bathroom, Bo? Is that, no, is that where you're... no, I'm not. But see, I keep on worrying, <laughs> dude. All right, if I can share something with y'all really quick here at the tail end, um, I, I don't know if you can, but you're about to. So go ahead. <laughs> Speaking of recording in the bathroom, Bo. Yeah, I I could just everyone see him with his bathrobe and the towel wrapped around his head and maybe avocado on his face, right? <laughs> yeah. No. All right. So here's here's the situation. Like we have a client who sent in some audio a couple of weeks back, and uh, you know our, our amazing producer Mike was working on this, and we were going back and forth because this was just the worst audio. Uh, like like in the history of recorded audio. And I know that as Mike is even listening to this, he's probably getting a good laugh and it's just from the nightmare <laughs> that the situation was. And I mean, as you listen to it, the, the, the interviewee swears that it was due to construction. However, Mike and I both are in a like solid agreement. This dude was in a bathroom because you could hear like the, you know, like the, the air blowing. And if I'm not mistaken, at one point you hear the sink, like this dude was not on a construction site. He was just straight up in a bathroom. <laughs> and it, was, it was just awful. But anyway, just a fun tidbit about recording in a bathroom. I am not currently in a bathroom. I'm just in a uh, non reverb reduced room of my house. So that is a, uh, that is my bad. But anyway, that, putting that out there, y'all Fair keep enough. up with us throughout the week. <laughs> you can follow us on the Twitters. I'm at the real Bo York. I'm at John David Cole, or you can get us at the shop at, at underscore Country Squire. Of course, the show's at Squire Radio, but all that and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. By the way, head over to the YouTube channel. Like it. I'm going to do another video coming up here. I'm going to be tinning That's all weird. of my tobaccos, so <laughs> you'll be able to tune in for that. <laughs> It'll be fun. But anyway, great, all right, man. man. This, is a, this has been a good one, even though I feel self-conscious about talking, which is not a good yeah. thing to do but when you're on a podcast. Well, anytime you record from the bathroom, you, you should probably feel a little self-conscious. Well, so. There you go. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. hey, let's go have a week. See you, brother.